Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Pastor Frank Riley, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Today's topic is staying safe in today's world. I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was at my father-in-law's clinic that day. I was cleaning the offices, and I walked up to the front door to get ready to wash windows and saw it. There in front of me was a picture of a young, smiling face and the words, Missing Jacob Wetterling. My father-in-law, a chiropractor, walked outside and told me the story. He was friends with the Wetterlings because of their connections with both of them being chiropractors. I remember the sad look on my father-in-law's face 27 years ago as he said, The world is changing now, Kathy. Just think. A child isn't even safe riding his bike with other kids. All of these years have passed. The Wetterlings prayed and waited. They searched and poured forth an effort to find their missing child. And as years passed, the state of Minnesota partnered with them to make sure that they knew that we always kept them in our prayers. We never gave up having a hope in God that somehow, some way, Jacob would come home safely. But you know, sometimes life just isn't that way, all wrapped up in a neat package with the answers that we want. Bad things continue to happen to good people, and bad people are free to commit horrible crimes, and in some instances, they do get away with it. It's hard for our minds to wrap around the answers to this particular tragedy. I think back of a time when I had gone through some awful things of my own. My daughter was violently attacked. I remember the feelings of relief that she was not dead, fear that something bad could happen so close to home, and dread that the world was so real that evil had pushed its way past the fences of safety in my life and broken down barriers to harm my child. I asked my dad, Dwayne, why bad things have to happen to good people. And being the teacher that he was, he said, pull out your Bible, Kathleen, turn to the book of Job. As we walked through the story, he reminded me that there was no good reason for Job to go through what he did short of evil on planet Earth. But in the end of the book, God is clear that whatever we go through, he is there with us. One of my friends wanted to know why a family member had abused her. How could God allow it? We don't know the whys. We don't understand the hows. But we know that we live in a fallen, sinful world, a world where sin is rampant right now and only getting worse as days are going by. What I do know is that there is good alongside evil, and I believe that God takes the ugly and the sin, and He can, if He chooses, brings good out of that evil. In my own personal case, I started a nonprofit ministry that speaks to women. When I share my own personal testimony and that of my daughters, God uses it to help others. I see the evil that was perpetrated on my child, and I know that God's turning it around and using those circumstances to bring help, hope, and healing. My tagline for my nonprofit ministry, from the midst of tragedy. For the Wetterling family and any other family out there who has dealt with injustice, we pray that God will redeem and restore their pain. Although we can't bring back their child, we look to God for comfort, and we look to how He has used the circumstances and how he's used Patty Wetterling to make a huge difference in today's society. How can such horrible things happen? Well, as long as society continues to be filled with sin, 
there will be evil perpetrating crime on innocent lives. What can we do? How can we look at this? How can we be safe and keep our families safe? Well, today on Your Best, I want to welcome Best Life staffer and one of my dear childhood friends from Southwest Iowa, Alice Falk. Alice worked as a crime analyst for the West Des Moines Police Department for many years and currently serves as a legislative fiscal analyst. Alice, that is like really big titles. Uh, Welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you, Kathy. Good. What's happening there in the Des Moines area for weather today? Well, today it's a little overcast, and we've had a little bit of rain, and it's kind of humid. Oh. So for late October, we will take it. We have everything but the humidity, and it's like 40 below in my mind. I don't know what it really is, but it's chilly. (laughs) So today, Alice, we are talking about a really tough subject. We're talking about staying safe in today's world and kind of focusing on the whole sad situation that's happened recently with the Wetterling family. And so I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you know and have some of that knowledge come out and come across to our listeners. So here's my first question for you. As someone who has worked in law enforcement and a part of your job was working on a missing child's case and being trained in what to do in case, you know, in the rare event that something was to happen to children, um, such as being abducted or even murdered, And that's happening so much more at an alarming rate right now than ever before. Um, What are you thinking about this? Does this just seem like it's it's increasing or does it seem like that because of this recent focus here in Minnesota on the Jacob Wetterling case? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely for you in Minnesota, it seems to be very close to home right now because um, it is close to home, obviously. But I think with most things that we see these days with the 24-hour news coverage cycle and social media just amplifying different situations. We hear about the cases more often. I don't have the um, exact statistics over the last several years uh, to show whether cases are up or cases are down, but I did look at um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and um, they say that they've assisted law enforcement with more than 13,700 cases of missing children in 2015, and only 1% of those were non-family abductions, um, which, you know, when you're looking at the the numbers, um, is not a lot, but I think we can all agree that one case is, is one case too many. Exactly. That's exactly right. So working closely with other crime analysts, police officers, and EMT personnel, do you think that they get used to this, Alice? Do they get used to tragedies involving children? Or is it something that's just continually sickening? I can tell you that no one gets used to working tragedies like these, whether it's um, involving children in abductions or accidents or any any type of thing like that. And it's only natural and human for every one of these individuals when they are in a situation like that to um, think of their own loved ones, their own children, and just kind of take it more to heart a little bit more. Um, You learn to cope with it. And some individuals, just like all walks of life, some individuals have better coping skills than others. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely something that in law enforcement or um, as an EMT person, you absorb it into your life and it does change you. And I can say personally, that's the main reason why I've tried to discourage my own daughter from entering law enforcement. 
as a career, but fortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, the way you look at it, there are people who answer the call to deal with the side of life so that the vast majority of us don't have to deal with it. That's right, yeah. Because even just being somebody that's so completely separate from that um, whole Wetterling case, just seeing it on the news, seeing his sweet little face, the pictures over and over watching Mm -hmm. Mrs. Wetterling. I mean, that was so difficult just as a bystander. And so many people here, you know, just carried on that hope for years that he would return. Mm -hmm. So we often wonder, you know, what's it like to be that person that works in, you know, law enforcement and has to deal with the bad accidents, the kids taken, the the bad things that are happening to people today. So Alice Jacobs' case was a 27-year-long effort. Wow. I mean, that took a long Mm -hmm. time. And living in Minnesota, the news reporters continually put the case in front of us year after year. And I really admire them because a lot of times, you know, problems like that, things that are bad that have happened get swept under the rug because, you know, new stuff takes its place. We watch the Wetterlings and we watch the police as Minnesotans. Do you feel like even though we couldn't see behind the scenes that the police were doing everything they could to help solve the crime? Absolutely. And even though I do not know those officers that worked on the case, um, I can assure you that they did do everything that they could have done within their means from from day one. Um, as I understand the Wetterling case, there was a good suspect for many years, but until recently, no physical evidence. And, um, you know, sometimes it's difficult to accept that real-life investigations are not wrapped up in one hour like the the crime shows on on tv um unfortunately real life investigations are not that neat but um i can assure you that the men and women that i knew and worked with and that i still know that are in law enforcement they never give up on difficult cases and no matter how long it takes and the fact that it took 27 years um and also Similarly, with the Ethan Pat's case out in New York City, um, that took many years to come to a conclusion. But there's always hope, and someone is always working on it. Yeah. Alice, do you remember that really sad um, story that was on the news for a long time? And I want to say it was Mason City, Iowa. Remember, it was a news reporter. She was real sweet. She was blonde. Yes. And they couldn't find her. Did they ever find her body? No, that case is still open as well. And also, you know, there's still hope um, that someday there will be resolution in that case. And Mm -hmm. I know for her family, um, that would be a good thing. Oh, I just remember, you know, following that because living in Iowa, it's kind of like a parallel to me for the Jacob story because they would continue to put that in front of you and they were constantly searching, you know, for any information. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so, so sad. I mean, it just, it, you know, it really impacts you even as a bystander Mm-hmm. And also what's... Jody, yeah, Jody, Jody who's in truth. I think that yes, was her that's name. It right. just came into my head. Yep, that's exactly right. I remember Jody. Right now, Alice, society is in a, in a terrible state. It's in a horrific state of confusion and anger that seems to be focused against our officers who are taking a pledge to protect us and serve us. And I continually pray for them and feel so sad about all that's happening. And I know, you know, you were partnered shoulder to shoulder with police officers and and have many of them as friends, what could you tell our listeners to encourage us that we need to be supporting our local officers um, and we need to remember that they're protecting us? I would just say that 
the majority of law enforcement, all they want is to know that they have the support of their community. Um, here in central Iowa, um, I see the Facebook pages of several local police departments, and they always post different things from, you know, getting letters of support or encouragement from their citizens or cards that a local school class has made for them, Um, you know, someone bringing in cupcakes or donuts. I know that's a stereotypical treat to give (laughs) to to police officers, but they all notice any positive um, encouragement or reinforcement that they get from from their community and from the citizens. They, they notice that and they appreciate it. Um, there is a difficult job, and we ask them to protect us by making split-second decisions that the rest of us have the luxury of, of dissecting and analyzing and second-guessing for days and weeks and even months after, afterwards. Mm-hmm. And you need to remember, too, that these are individuals who, for the most part, also live in your community and are a part of your community, and their children are going to school with your children. That's and right, yeah. um, just if you see them on the, on the street, just give them a friendly hi or a pat on the back or buy them a cup of coffee or anything is encouraging to them. It's been such a sad thing to see all of the, you know, uproar against them. And, you know, just one bad situation makes everybody think that everything is that way. And so... It makes my heart very sad. I've been, it's just been doing a lot of praying about it. With Jacob Wetterling's case specifically, we know that God took the evil that had happened to him and brought good out of it. And some people might argue with me, but I believe this is true. Um, can you tell us the good things that Patty Wetterling did to change the face of our nation and how we deal with missing children? She used the bad and and brought good out of it. She definitely did. And, you know, she and her husband, they pushed for and they achieved the goal of having sex offender registries nationwide. Mm. Um, Every state has a sex offender registry. Um, And that is a major tool in um, identifying and tracking sexual predators who prey on children. It's a huge asset and one that I personally used often in my previous job, and it's not only a great asset and tool to have for law enforcement, but also for parents. And if anyone is unaware um, of the sexual sex offender registry, um, you, you can Google it. Um, Minnesota has one. You can search on the sex offender registries for specific towns or for a specific person, and it's just a great tool to help you be aware and to help keep your children safe. Sometimes the impetus that helps us to create something comes from the evil that's been perpetrated upon us or our family members. So I was thinking, if you could just share with the listeners, tell us a little bit about the Kelsey Smith story and what came out of that tragedy. I know that's a story that you talked with me about. Well, Kelsey Smith was a young woman who had just graduated from high school. I believe she was... um, either 18 or 19 years old at the time, you know, and her whole life was ahead of her. Uh, She was kidnapped in broad daylight from a Target parking lot in Overland Park, Kansas. And um, she was sexually assaulted and killed within hours of her abduction. But it took four days to find her body. um, And the phone 
the cell phone company um, at that time would not ping or locate her cell phone for its location because Kelsey was over 18, so they considered her to be an adult, um, and they considered it to be an invasion of her privacy to to provide the location of her cell phone to her parents or to law enforcement. So um, once the cell phone company complied with a court order to locate her cell phone and provide that information, her body was located um, within 45 minutes. And um, having that information at at the time of her abduction, it would not have saved her, but there are instances um, where that information could save someone in the future. Um, Kelsey's parents, uh, Greg and Missy, from that tragedy, they have started the Kelsey Smith Foundation in the Kansas City area. They do a lot of training, self-defense training for for young women, and also, I believe, for young men as well. Just um, advice on situational observation and how to keep yourself safe in today's world. And the foundation has also lobbied for a law in each state um, to allow cell phone companies to cooperate with law enforcement in investigations like these where the missing person is believed to be in imminent danger. And I was very fortunate. It was kind of a full circle type of thing for me. I was very aware of Kelsey Smith's um, uh, case when I was working for the West Des Moines Police Department. It hit very close to me. She was a little too close to the age of my own daughter. And then my first year that I was um, working with the legislature, the Kelsey Kelsey Smith Act was um, was uh, lobbied for by the Smiths and became um, passed by by both the House and Senate and signed uh, signed by the governor. I was able to attend the bill signing, and that was just a a nice for, full circle to for me personally to see how that came about. Hmm. I love it. I know that you follow missing children's cases closely. Can you tell us just a couple of instances where children were actually brought home safely? I think that that just brings hope to us as parents and, you know, aunts and uncles that it's just not all bad, that there is hope for people. Well, I would say that of the majority of the um, the individuals, the children who go missing, I mentioned earlier that last year in 2015, there were 13,700 cases of missing children that um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children helped with. The vast majority of those are found right away. Um, They're temporarily lost or runaways. Um, So the vast majority are found very quickly. Uh, There have been a few high-profile cases where individuals have been abducted and did return home safely. Specifically, I'm thinking of Elizabeth Smart from Utah. She was 14 when she was abducted from her home, from her bed in her home. Mm. And she was rescued nine months later. Um, I was fortunate enough to hear her speak a few years ago. Mm. And she is just an incredibly strong young, young woman who is currently an advocate in the area of child abduction. Uh, J.C. Dugard was kidnapped near her home in South Lake Tahoe when she was just 11, and um, I believe that was in 1991, and she was rescued 
18 years later when she was 29. Oh, and she's goodness. another incredibly strong young woman. Hmm. And then um, in 2007, there was a, um, a highly publicized case where there were two missing boys in Missouri, Sean Hornbeck and Ben Ownby. And uh, Sean had been missing for over four years, and Ben had just been missing for a few days. And in the investigation into um, Ben's disappearance, they were both they had both been kidnapped by the same individual, and they were both rescued um, at the same time. So that was quite an amazing story. So wow. it does happen. That's good. That is <laughs> and good. It, yeah. It's wonderful when it does happen. It does. So with all of the scary things that are happening in today's society, Allison, I think about just it's it's so much more severe, you know, all of the gruesome things that people are doing and and bad things happening to people. What are three steps that you could tell our listeners that would help us think about keeping our children safe, even keeping safe ourselves? What would be three things? Well, the first thing I would say would be to keep open the lines of communication with your kids. And I know as they grow and as they turn into teenagers, sometimes that becomes more difficult. And there are some subjects that we just would rather not talk to our kids about. But it's very important to keep those lines of communication open and to let them know that um, you're always there for them to, to talk with. Uh, the second thing I would say would be to definitely monitor online activity. Um, make sure that you have passwords to their Facebook, to their different accounts, just so you can check up from time to time. Monitor who they are friends with on Facebook. There are so many different applications now that kids can use to communicate. I mean, there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's a bunch of stuff. So just trying to monitor all of that activity and, and make sure that they're not being contacted um, by social media in a by someone that you wouldn't want them talking to um, anywhere else um, and just make sure that, that everything is is going well with, with that area. And then the third thing that I would suggest would be in those open lines of communication with your kids and in your family, um, just talk about different types of situations. And it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, attempted abductions. You could talk about what happens if a tornado hits our town. What's our plan if we have no cell phone coverage? If, you know, we have no power? What if mom and dad can't get to the school to get you? You know, what's the plan? We have um, fire drills that we, that we work out and that we practice in our own homes. We should also have different plans for different types of situations so that if an event were to occur, you would at least know what the plan is and and what to do and where to go. Those sound like great tips. And listeners, I think that you should jot those down so that you remember them and then just get together with your family to work on getting those in place. You know, Alice, I think about Jerry and Patty Wetterling today. And if you could say one thing to them, if you could talk to them and just tell them one thing, what would you say? I would just simply tell them thank you for their unselfish work. And I would tell them that I know that they've helped to keep innumerable children safe today because of what they've done. Mm. And I would just also pray for them to experience peace in moving forward. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alice, for your great wisdom and just for talking with us about this difficult topic. And I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Kathy. I remember as a young mother so many years ago, I would often be impatient. It never even crossed my mind that anything bad could or would happen to my children. I lived in a world where neighbors helped one another, where teachers were a big influence, where discipline came in the form of a spanking and a timeout. I lived in a world where children played safely outside in the backyard, where you sent them out in the morning and they came back at noon for lunch. There was no constant checking up or fear. They played on swing sets, played ball in the center of the circle with other kids, and rode their bikes safely down four blocks to their friend's home. I remember being impatient when I couldn't find my kids, but I never really sincerely worried about them. Today is different. Today I worry about going to the mall because, as we saw recent, a terrorist attack happened here in the middle of nowhere in St. Cloud, Minnesota. With an influx of violence on TV, angry and impatient people, terrorists who want you to only believe in their God, and a constant anti-God nation, life is getting more difficult to raise children and to live life. What can you and I do? Well, for starters, let's love our kids and really believe in them. Let's look at every day, not only as a challenge, but a chance to shape and mold the minds of the kids that we're raising, mold them to be godly and Christ-like. So here's some steps that we can take for safety. Be aware of your surroundings. Park under well-lit places. Report to the local authorities anything suspicious or any crimes that you witness. Dress sensibly. Don't flaunt expensive jewelry or money. When walking to your car, keep your keys right in your hand. If you think you're being followed, call the police immediately. At your home, keep locks functioning properly, windows secured, and have a plan, just like Alice said, with your family for what to do in case of emergencies. Know your children's friends and make sure that if you don't feel comfortable with allowing them to play together, trust your gut. It's sad that life is this way now, isn't it? I think about my grandmas and how they'd tell stories of walking three miles to school and stopping at the neighbors for fresh milk. Now I'd be worried sick if my kids walk that far to and from school. But friends, we can't be overtaken with fear. We need to trust God. We need to thank Him for taking care of us. We need to be in prayer for those around us and respect our authorities and report anything that isn't right. God's always at work, but we need to do our part as well. Let me pray for you, dear Jesus, for those listeners who have lost friends or family due to someone else's cruel evils, we ask for comfort and peace. For the Wetterling family especially, we ask for help and comfort as they accept the realities of this tragedy. For those who don't know Jesus as Savior, I pray you will help them to know you. Be our comfort and help us to be still and know you are on our side. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm so excited to tell you about my brand new 10-week Bible study that's available now at kathyweckworth.com for $12.99. The 10 weeks take you through different aspects of following God's call. What happens to you when God prompts your heart, places some sort of circumstances in front of you and says, hey, give this a try. Maybe it's a move for a new job, something completely different from what you've ever done before. Maybe your husband says, we're going to move to a new state, 
Or maybe you've decided you're going to volunteer for something you've never been able to do before. How do you respond? Well, in this 10-week book, I take you through different aspects of how you can respond. Are you like Samuel, where he says to God, here I am, what can I do? Or are you more like Moses, when Moses responds to God and says, what, who, me? I don't know how to do this. Or are you even like Jonah, where Jonah says, "Uh uh-uh, not me, and he gets on his horse and rides the other direction? How do you respond when God calls you to do something? And how can you hear from God? One of the chapters talks about the five different ways that God speaks to you and I. It's really an exciting book. I am looking forward to having people read it. Uh, One of the things that I really love about writing Bible studies is that in this area, there are so many different churches right now. At one point, I had about 70 different churches that were going through the book together. And so I'm excited to be able to have it available to you. Now, if your Bible study group wants to go through it, 10 or more books is $9.99. One book is $12.99, very affordable, and I guarantee to you, you're going to encourage, be encouraged and really like the book. So log on to kathyweckworth.com and purchase yours today. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Yeah.